Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you for being part of Orchard Hill Church on hundreds of campuses all over everywhere. I'm Carla Chestnut. I'm on staff here at Orchard on the Cedar Falls campus. And like Doug said, we are in a series called Extraordinary Faith. And this morning, we are going to look at a story from the book of Luke, and it's about an ordinary person an ordinary day that becomes extraordinary because Jesus is nearby. So before we jump into that story, I want to give you a little context, a little uh, information about what happens before the story. So Jesus, before this story, has a series of unexpected interactions with people. He makes widows, people who desperately want forgiveness, and little children the central characters of these interactions. And it makes some people a little bit mad. But I think it gives some other people hope that he makes these characters central part of his story. And then Jesus tells his closest friends they need to talk. Do you get a little stressed out when somebody starts like a conversation with we need to talk? Well, Jesus pulls his closest friends, his disciples, together, and he tells them, soon, I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be beaten, mocked, spit on, flogged. I'm going to be killed. I'm going to die. But on the third day, I'm going to rise again. And his friends left that conversation disoriented and confused. And then we see them walking along the road on the way to Jericho. And this is the story that we're going to jump into right now. So right after this interaction, Jesus is approaching Jericho. A blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. So we learn a ton from these first few sentences. We see that Jesus was on the road to Jericho. We see there was a blind man begging by the side of the road, and we learn that there's a crowd. Now, we don't know very much about the blind man. We don't know if he has family or friends. We don't know if they were helping him out with his life. But we do know that in that time, people with disabilities had even more difficulty than they do today moving about in society. They were commonly outcasts, economically, socially, and emotionally. Many people in Jesus' day actually believed that disability was a punishment from God for some past sin. So there was just this soul-crushing layer of shame and blame and guilt on top of the disability that this man was trying to live with. Life was exceptionally hard for this man, we're confident. But these first few sentences also tell us that the blind man had some powerful, powerful things in his favor. Jesus was in the area. And although this man can't see with his eyes, he is paying attention. He's paying attention. He couldn't see with his eyes, but he could recognize shifts in his environment, changes in his environment. So I wonder what it felt like to sense the change in the air as that crowd 
was coming down the road following Jesus. Could he feel the earth rumble as he sat by the roadside begging? Was he afraid? Was he excited? Did it take courage to ask the people around him what was going on? This man couldn't see with his eyes, but he could pay attention. How about you? Do you have a hard time paying attention? I know I sure do. I have a hard time paying attention, especially when things feel confusing. I don't fully know what's going on. I, I have a hard time paying attention in a crowd when there's lots and lots of energy. It's easier just to stop paying attention sometimes. And over these last couple of weeks, I've found myself tempted to turn away from the protests that just keep unfolding on our nation's streets. But what if, what if there is something that God wants me to see? Not just with my eyes, but with my heart, my soul, and my mind. What if God wants me to pay attention to the rumbling, to the confusion, the noise, and the pain of other people? Seeing means paying attention. And even the most ordinary people can pay attention. And when we do, extraordinary things can happen. The blind man had the ability to see the extraordinary because he was paying attention. So when he learned that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by, he sprang into attention. As Jesus approached Jericho, the blind man was by the roadside. And when he heard the crowd, he asked what was going on. And they told him, Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he shouted, he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Somehow, this man knew that Jesus was someone he wanted to reach out to, to call out to. He believed it would be good for Jesus to see him, to hear him. He was confident it would be good for Jesus to see him and hear him. So I wonder, had the blind man heard stories about Jesus healing people? Or had he heard about the audacious incredible things Jesus was saying about himself when he was teaching and moving about the countryside, like the day Jesus stood up in the middle of what we would call a church service and said this about himself. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then Luke tells us that Jesus rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant in the church, and he sat down. And the eyes of the entire place were on him. And Jesus looked to them in the eye and he said, today, this scripture right here has been fulfilled in your hearing. Did this help the blind man form a mental picture of Jesus? of who Jesus was, what Jesus was like, what kinds of things Jesus cared about. You know, when Jesus made statements like this, the religious establishment wanted to kill him. But did these same words plant seeds of hope in the blind man? Did the blind man believe that Jesus came for people like him? 
Seeing means forming mental pictures. And I believe the blind man actually saw Jesus with the eyes of his heart. The mental pictures he saw when he heard stories about Jesus. And his mental picture of Jesus gave the blind man hope that Jesus cared for people like him. Enough hope to start calling out to Jesus for mercy. Wherever the blind man's mental picture of Jesus came from, it gave him the faith he needed to believe that Jesus could transform his life. I wonder about us. Do we have a mental picture of Jesus, a well enough developed mental picture of Jesus? Do we see him clearly enough to, that we would call out to him for mercy? I wonder what would happen if we made the top priority of our faith, developing a vivid, full-color mental picture of Jesus. Who he is, why he came, and what he cares most about. And then, what if our mental picture of Jesus spurred us to respond? To respond to events not just happening within us or around us in our own families, in our own communities, but what if our mental picture of Jesus prompted us, encouraged us to pay attention and respond to the events happening in communities we rarely visit, and we don't understand. What if the words of Jesus from the Bible about setting oppressed people free were ringing in my ears, forming mental pictures in my own brain at the same time I watched protests and marches unfold across our country? How would I see and pay attention to the protests over George Floyd's killing in new ways, even if they're unsettling to me. If my mental picture of Jesus was vivid enough, would I tell my fears and my ugly thoughts to take a backseat just for a moment while I tried to really listen and understand voices that don't sound like my own voice? I want to say something to a couple groups of people. The first group are people who are just starting to follow Jesus. This is an amazing, great place to be, people who are just starting to follow Jesus. And I wanted to encourage you, as you've learned to follow Jesus, as you develop these mental pictures in your mind, that you spend time in the Bible in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are the first four books of the New Testament, and you are going to encounter Jesus there. And you're going to begin to develop this mental picture of who Jesus is and what he cares about. And then I want to talk to a group of people who are like me. Maybe you've been following Jesus for a while or even for a really long time, but you haven't given much thought to your mental picture of Jesus. Park yourself in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And as you read, pause Pause occasionally, sit quietly, maybe even close your eyes. And try to bring up those mental pictures of Jesus that you don't even know you have. And then compare them to what you're reading. Don't judge it, don't evaluate it, just pay attention. 
I think it would be an incredible thing if we all paid attention to our mental picture of Jesus. I think it could change the world. So let's turn back to this ordinary man in our story who is having an extraordinary day because Jesus is nearby. Now remember, in spite of this man's inability to see his blindness, he was paying attention. He had a mental picture of Jesus, of who he was, and he could see because he could imagine a new possibility. He could imagine a new possibility. What the blind man realized when there was a, cl- a crowd uh, walking down the road where he sat begging, all of a sudden when this man realized there was a crowd around him, the day was full of new possibilities. For a moment, I wonder if he thought, could I make a lot of money today begging by the side of this road? There are going to be a lot of people here. But look what he did. He found out that there was a crowd going by, and he just asked people what was going on, and they told him. And then he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He needed more information. He asked, what's going on around here? Help me see better. What's happening? And I think every cell in this guy's body must have just come to life when he realized it was Jesus. This was his chance. The blind man had great vision. His ability to pay attention, to form a mental picture, and then to see possibilities where there seemed like there were no possibilities, where there were none, caused this ordinary man to act in extraordinary ways. So how well are you doing with this kind of seeing? How well am I doing? As Jesus moves through our lives, how well are we paying attention? Do I see well enough to imagine new possibilities in my life and the life of my neighbors? Is my first instinct to ask questions like Doug encouraged us to do in the beginning and then listen to those around me so that I can understand what's going on and and then can I begin to imagine new possibilities? And would I ever ask Jesus to help with all of that like this guy? So when this man heard the crowd was going by and asked what was happening, they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is coming, and he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. So this is a plot twist. New characters. Those who led the way. Who are these people? Those who led the way. Well, I think it was code for people in charge. Religious handlers of Jesus, like his managers, his front men, his PR people. I think they were probably like pastors and teachers and church people. They were probably even included some people who used their money to support the work of Jesus. The people who led the way were a lot like us. They thought they were in charge of Jesus' messaging. Those who led the way, they scold the blind man because they saw him as a problem for Jesus, as a roadblock maybe for their agenda for Jesus. At the very least, they thought this shouting man by the side of the road was a nuisance, 
noisy, ill-mannered. He was a person who didn't know his place. They wanted him to be quiet. And I see myself in those who led the way. Not only am I a professional Christian, but I don't like it when people make a scene. Sometimes in my life, I actually pretend everything is fine in my life, even when I know very well that everything is not fine. It's scary to acknowledge things are not okay. It interferes with my peace and comfort. And I don't know about you, but I really like, I really like my peace and comfort, and I will go to extraordinary measures to protect my peace and comfort. I can actually imagine myself seeing this guy on the side of the road, yelling, making a scene, and bending down and saying, hey now, this is, let's not make a scene here. This isn't the right way for you to get Jesus' attention. Jesus has important things he's come to do. If everyone made a scene like this, what would happen? It's bad, you guys. It's bad. I don't like trouble. Um, even when I'm watching a movie, like there's a scary scene in a movie, I plug my ears, and then I go like this, and then I whisper the alphabet song under my breath while I'm watching the movie. Ask my husband, it's super annoying. I just want to be over. I just want it to be over. I don't want to see difficult things. But there's a problem with that. Because I live in peace and comfort. And I forget that not everyone is like me. Not everyone can close their eyes and plug their ears and just turn away. I am blind to the fact that I actually benefit from the system that oppresses people with disabilities like this man in the story. Just like I benefit from a system that oppresses brown and black people. Peace and comfort are more important to me, oftentimes, than the things that Jesus cares most about. It's why I need a well-developed mental picture of Jesus. The interesting things about the people who led the way who scolded Jesus, was they saw the blind man as a roadblock for Jesus. And what they didn't realize was they were actually the roadblock between the blind man and Jesus. They just wanted him to be quiet. I wonder what the rebuke or the scolding sounded like in the blind man's head and heart. Remember, people with disabilities were already looked down on and seen as responsible for their disability, so I bet the scolding just felt like salt in a wound. So what did the blind man do when they told him to be quiet? He did not let those with power keep him quiet. He would not stay silent. Jesus was nearby. So when those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet, he shouted all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He shouted all the more. How? What gives people who are pushed down, cast aside, 
kicked aside, demonized, and overlooked the courage to shout all the more. What gives people the courage to shout all the more? And I wonder if it could be desire mixed with imagination. Does desire mixed with imagination cause people to shout all the more? The blind man could imagine the possibilities for his life if Jesus was nearby. He wanted to see. He wanted to be transformed. He wanted to be empowered by the one whose kingdom is different from the kingdom of this world, the kingdom that he was experiencing every day. So he shouted all the more. Were the words of Jesus ringing in his ears, the Holy Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, sight for the blind, freedom for the oppressed. The blind man knew he was all of those. Was he thinking, I'm all of those. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Just like many of the people protesting in our streets and cities, they won't be quiet. They can't be quiet. They have enough hope that things can be different. They can see possibilities, so they shout all the more. It's powerful to shout all the more in spite of people telling you to be quiet. So let's see what comes next. Next. Those who led the way rebuked him, told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me, and then Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped and ordered the man be brought to him. Drama. I love it. If this story was a TV show and this happened, we would cut to commercial. What was everyone thinking? What was the crowd thinking? What were the people who told the blind man to be quiet and stop making a scene thinking? Apparently, Jesus doesn't mind a scene. Jesus stopped when he heard the blind man shouting all the more, and Jesus ordered the blind man be brought to him. Can you imagine what those who were leading the way were thinking? And I wonder if Jesus pointed to one of them and said, you, go get that guy who's shouting, Jesus, have mercy on me. Those who, turned the, who led the way rebuked him. It didn't stop this guy. He shouted all the, all the more. And then when he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked this guy, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus, God in flesh, flesh and blood, asked the shouting blind man, what do you want me to do for you? Does Jesus ask questions like that when we come near him? What if Jesus is asking you and me and everyone, everywhere, always, what do you want me to do for you? How would you respond? How would you respond to Jesus if he said, what do you want me to do for you? Well, let's see what the blind man says. Jesus asked the question, and the blind man said, Lord, I want to see. Lord, I want to see. Don't you love it? This story is incredible. The blind man was the one person in the story who could actually see. He was paying attention. He had a vivid, full-color mental picture 
of Jesus. He imagined new possibilities. And then this man asked Jesus for sight, the ability to see with his eyes. Listen to what Jesus says to him. Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. And when all the people saw it, they also praised God. Now, we tend to get hung up in this story right here. We get hung up on what Jesus meant when he said the man's faith had healed him. But don't you see that's not the point of this story? This is a story about a man who was blind but was the only one who could actually see. This man is blind, but he's the only one in the story who can actually see. It's also a story about a group of sighted religious leaders and religious people who thought they could see, but they were actually blind. And it's about a crowd of people who were watching what happened. They were watching, and you know what? They ended up praising God. So, let's learn from this ordinary man for whom an ordinary day turned out extraordinary because Jesus was nearby. Let's pray his prayer. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Let's pray it for ourselves. Let's pray it for every person who's ever taken a breath on this planet. Let's pray it with courage and with a desire to see new possibilities for this world that we live in. Let's pray, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. We're going to pray together, and then we're going to use our voices to praise God. So you pray with me. God, thank you so much that you have not left us alone to figure things out. Thank you for giving us people like this blind man who have courage in the face of absolute hopeless situations, courage to use their voices, courage to imagine new possibilities, courage to shout even when they're misunderstood. God, would you help us develop a vivid, full-color mental picture of your son, Jesus, who came to restore and redeem and renew all things. Would you help us to welcome Holy Spirit within us, to guide us, to whisper in our ear? Would you help us to get quiet enough ourselves to listen to Holy Spirit, to pay attention to people, and then would you help us move into joy of following Jesus that's beyond circumstances, that helps us partner with our neighbors, helps us partner with people we don't fully understand. God, thank you for giving us community to do it within. And now as we raise our voices to praise you, would you remind us that we join with hundreds of millions of people throughout the ages who have praised you, God. 
We pray all these things in the powerful, extraordinary name of Jesus. Amen.